welcome to the What to Expect While Fostering and Adopting podcast show. If you're a foster mom on the journey to adoption, already adopted, or somewhere in the middle, trying to figure out how to navigate the foster care system, wanting to grow your family through adoption, trying to balance everything, or stuck in that space of all things unknown, you're in the right place. What if there was a way to fast track your knowledge, prepare you for the good and the hard, and somebody who could answer that long list of questions I know you have? Hi friend, I'm Christine Marie, biblical mindset coach, adoptive mom, and previous foster parent of 77 children. Yep, you heard that right, 77 kiddos. I'm your host, and my goal is to help make your journey a lot easier by sharing my best tools, techniques, and skills that helped me pivot from foster care to adoption, fully surrender, and trust the process. I'm about to bring some calm to the chaos and show you how to navigate through this journey with a whole lot of grace. So go grab your cup of coffee and let's jump in. I remember when we were in our foster parent training course, they were very clear and they did a section on attachment. So if you have gone through the foster parent training, you will remember this well, hopefully. And what they talked about was that a lot of kids who come into the foster care system struggle with attachment or have or will have diagnoses of attachment disorders. This is really definitely like a spectrum. I wanted to spend today going over in this episode about how to build bonds, that relationship that you have with your foster child, and attachment strategies. This was something that I really had to learn on my own. And yes, I got that, you know, maybe hour, 45 minutes worth of training in that course on attachment and so I thought okay I get it like they've had some trauma they've had some hard life experiences so they're definitely going to struggle in these areas but it's nothing that a whole lot of love a nurturing home isn't going to help with I was so wrong you guys and so that's why I wanted to share this these with you today and talk about this so I would if I were you any child that you've taken I want you to assume even if they're a baby, that there are some areas that need to be strengthened in attachment for your child. The very first thing is understanding attachment. So I wanted to spend a few minutes talking about four different attachment styles so that you can have a baseline and then see the importance of why you want to really use these strategies for every single foster child, whether they're a baby or a teenager. The first thing is a secure attachment. This is a child that has grown up in a healthy environment. They feel safe. They know that their parent or caregiver is reliable and they're gonna take care of their needs. They are really comfortable when you're gonna be holding them. I think of my boys. They had a very healthy pregnancy or I had a very healthy pregnancy with them and they were born and they were nurtured and cuddled and loved and spoken kindly to. And they felt comfortable crying. They felt comfortable that their needs would be met. They weren't struggling in their attachment. So this is um, what would be identified as a secure attachment. I want you to have that healthy expectation that most kiddos that you will get into your home will not have this secure attachment. 
even, yes, babies. And I say that because it depends on did they have in utero exposure? Were they uh, in utero in a place of domestic violence happening around them? Like I said, whether it's a baby all the way up to a teenager, these are just good strategies. So number two, this would be like an anxious attachment. Children with this style of attachment will feel really insecure. Uh, they might be super clingy, dependent, always be needing validation, and almost panicky, like nervous that you're gonna leave the room. And as you take more children, you'll be able to identify these different styles of attachment quicker. So this would be an anxious attachment. The next one would be an avoidant attachment. These children tend to be very independent, very kind of emotionally distant. We struggled with this one with one of our daughters and they might avoid emotional connection, intimacy. They are completely self-reliant. If you go to hug them, they might tense up really tightly. They don't want to depend on anybody else. Like they can take care of themselves. And so this can be found in a child that was severely possibly neglected and did not have their needs met for maybe long periods of time or they just didn't have a caregiver that was attending or meeting their needs emotionally or physically. The other one is a disorganized attachment. We struggled with this with another one of our kiddos. This is somebody who maybe has had a frequent change in caregivers. They've maybe moved from multiple different homes or maybe they were with their biological parents and they had multiple different people in and out of their lives caring for them. And so they really didn't know who was going to meet their needs. And so they became open to whoever. They could be avoiding people, anxious. They could be fearful, confused. They might want closeness one moment and then nervous the next moment. They're just really kind of all over the place with how they respond to people and maybe even a different response to the same person at multiple different time periods. So that's just such a brief overview, but I wanted to give you the baseline so that you can really customize your approach to the kiddo in your home with how you parent them. Now, this, these strategies are gonna be really helpful for you to have with any child, no matter their attachment style in your home. These are just really great things for all foster kids. I actually think a lot of these are great things for all kids. Now that you know, we've taken a look at the attachment styles, the first thing I wanna talk to you about is consistency. It's super important, day in, day out. I consider this your groundhog day approach. Stable, predictable, sometimes this takes a very long time and sometimes even years of every single day Groundhog Day for them to feel safe and secure and everything is going to be predictable. So it would be a little bit different if you have a baby, but even all the way up from like a toddler, like two years old, it depends on the mental capabilities of this child. You could even do even at a super young age, there's ways you can modify this. So schedules every single day, if this toddler or child or teenager is going to be going to school, having their schedule up of what time they wake up. And yes, I'm saying even write it down. And that's what I was saying with toddlers, you could even do pictures. With older kids, it could be written. It just depends on where they are educationally on what they're able to read or see. Having a schedule up, having pictures. What time do we wake up? What time do we brush teeth? With kiddos that have um, like sensory processing or autism or speech delays, I did like a PECS, P-E-C-S system 
where it was a visual of every single step that they're going to do, what time they wake up, what time they go to school, a picture of the school bus, and you can get more, more detailed if you want. We would put one of their schedules in their room, and then we would put one of the schedules in the dining room so that no matter where they were, they could go double check the schedule. We had some kiddos that were with us that were super wanting to be in control and not depend on me or any caregiver in the home because they had that avoidant attachment or that anxious attachment. And so they would go look at the schedule and then look at the clock. And that was their way of them staying in control in their mind, but feeling secure because they knew what the schedule was. Any of y'all out there with like ADHD or you like to just fly by the seat of your pants sometimes, you're gonna have to really push yourself to stay organized on a daily basis. And it doesn't have to be minute by minute if you do kind of like to throw in some spur of the moment things, but it can be a general basis. So what time they wake up, what time they go to school, what time the bus comes, what time they get home, what time dinner is, and what time bedtime is. It could be that basic or it could be literally hour by hour. Whatever it is that best fits your personality. It could be a visual schedule. It could be a written schedule. But I would encourage you to be so boring. If you've seen that movie, I think it's called Groundhog Day. Be like that every single day because that is going to help them to feel safe and comfortable and begin to understand what your home is like, what your family lifestyle is like, and what they can expect. Now, if you do have an event that comes up or you have something you guys are gonna do on the weekend, then you can post that on the schedule so they can see it or you can talk to them about it and post it on the schedule. But I would definitely encourage you to have schedules up and somewhere accessible so that they can be looking at them and reading them. Number two is communication. I would set clear rules, clear expectations, and be extremely open. I would try to over-communicate. You know how with like a three to five-year-old, you're always saying, okay, in a few minutes, I need you to go get your shoes on. In a few minutes, we're gonna leave. In about 10 minutes, we're gonna go do this. No matter the age, I would still use that level of over-communicating with the child so that they can know what to expect. So another thing is patience and grace. I would encourage you to have so much patience and so much grace for yourself. If you're new as a foster parent or you've been an experienced foster parent for a long time, sometimes these behaviors with children with attachment disorders can be very challenging. And I'm definitely sugarcoating this. So those of you who have been foster parents for a long time, or maybe you have adopted a child with a more severe attachment disorder, you know I am definitely sugarcoating this. So it is challenging. And every trauma you've ever had in your life, every single like weak spot in your emotion is going to literally be pressed and jabbed and pushed. Exuding the most amount of patience that you possibly know how and then giving yourself grace for not being perfect. Because I promise you, the longer you are a foster parent, the more experiences that you go through, the more children that you bring in or foster, you will get better and better and better. So I want you to just give yourself a lot of grace. It's impossible to know the brain pathways that have been created in these children because we will never know 
all of the traumatic situations that they've been through. There's just no way to know. You could guess that everything that the caseworker knows is about 10% of what the child's been through. There is so much that the biological parent will never share. There might be stuff that the biological parent doesn't even know about. And this child would not be in the foster care system if it had not been so extreme. So just know whatever you know about this child or the trauma that they've been through, just know it's probably about 10% of the actual case of what's happened. Patience will be required. Extreme patience. Number four is creating routines. So again, going back to Groundhog Day, but I'm going to take it a step further with setting or helping the child, even if they're a teenager, setting out their clothes the night before for the next morning. And this would be something you do every single night with them. If this is something you want to do, having the children have the same seat at the dinner table every single night. In fact, having dinner as a family every single night. It doesn't matter how busy, how chaotic things are. Taking that time to have that dinner schedule is so important and creates consistency for this child. It might even be that in the bathroom, there's a hook for each child and they have their own color towel and they have their own hook. We did, yes, we did different colored towels for each kiddo, different colored washcloths, like everybody had their own. And so they knew what to expect. Oh, red is my towel. Red is my washcloth. Red is my loofah in the shower. Red is my toothbrush. Now you don't need to go to that extreme, but having it be like the same spot. Do they have their own drawer in the bathroom where their own stuff can be? Having sometimes, you know, one kiddo take some other kiddo's toothpaste can be extremely disruptive for one child. And it's just a piece that can make attachment worse because they don't know what to expect. So the more organized you can get, the more predictable that you can get, and including those routines, you know, the same seat in the car. Everybody picks a seat, and this is where we always sit, and we don't change it because then that child gets to know, oh, that's my spot. That's where I sit. It might seem silly at first, but it's just another piece of consistency. Another is play. Play is so important. So often these foster kids have to grow up too soon. They might have missed out on those typical developmental play stages. So even if they're in high school, in middle school, and maybe they don't play with Play-Doh, buying some Play-Doh and putting it out on the table after dinner or putting it out before dinner and just sitting down with them and being present and saying, hey, I've never really built anything with Play-Doh before. Would you mind showing me how to use it? Or maybe you get a Lego set or maybe you get a big box of Legos and you sit down and build with them. You can find something that is interesting and fun for them and just do it with them. A lot of times when we took our daughters to play therapy, even when they were older, they would do painting or there was some sort of artistic thing that they did that would help them to kind of tune out the rest of the world. Could also be done with music, finding out which type of music they like. And maybe you turn it on in the kitchen before dinner. Maybe you turn it on in the car, their music, right? Something they love in the car and you sing with them and you just have fun that's a great way to help relieve the stress and to help them connect with you. Just let go of their emotions for such a brief time. So another few things are having a trampoline. 
a trampoline is a really fun way. Now I know there are some rules and whatnot and you do oftentimes need to get that approved through your certification department. We had something called a spring-free trampoline. It's literally one of the safest trampolines you can get. And so it definitely was a little bit more spendy, but we knew it was safe and it had the enclosure, you zip it all in, but oh my gosh, my husband and I would get out there and jump with the kids. And it was a super fun way to play with them, be intentional, purposeful, and have fun. So just remembering that a lot of times kiddos who came into care missed out on those developmental play time moments. So doing that as much as possible. Another thing we did is made it a routine that we would read a story every single night before bed, no matter what age they were. So if they were older, it might be we read one page from a book that they love. If they're younger, of course, we can, you know, read nursery rhymes or different books. We would have a book, it would be by their bed, and we could build that relationship where they knew that, oh, before bed, we're going to go read for five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it was. And that was just built into their schedule. So making a routine, making the schedule, and don't forget to play. The other thing is you as the foster parent, I would really encourage you to become trauma informed to understand your child's past trauma and how that is affecting their attachment and how it affects how they respond to different situations and people and really trying to more so do things like time ins um, instead of time outs. There's just some little things that you can do that are very significant to help them with their trauma. Another piece I've talked about this before as well is make sure that you are supported as a foster parent. That can be the very quickest and easiest thing to put on the back burner because you're thinking of the child, you're thinking of your children, you're thinking of all the appointments, all the things that you need to do for them. If you're married, your relationship with your spouse gets set aside because trust me, the needs of these kiddos, my heart grieved for so many of the things that they had been through. And so I just wanted to put myself aside and take care of them. And in all truth, that's probably one of the very worst things that I could have done at first, because if I am filled up emotionally by my spouse, by my friends, uh, speaking with a therapist, getting my emotions out, if I am healthy and at a good level, then I have more in my cup to pour into others. I want to encourage you to find a support group. Find friends that you can call, you can text, you can, yes, get together with. Make sure that if you're married, that date night weekly is a priority. And yes, I understand that it's hard at times to find childcare, but make that a priority because I promise it can get so easily out of alignment. And as I mentioned before, I will be opening up. I currently have a Facebook group. You can search what to expect while fostering and adopting on Facebook and you can find our group of like-minded mamas and you can definitely get in there, get engaged, share your stories and get connected. But I will also be opening up a membership site the very first of the year with training, coaching, group coaching for those of you who are interested in that and who don't have a supportive network. Because something I have heard a lot recently is yes, there are different online Facebook groups for foster parents and adoptive parents, but 
it's not that community of unified people walking the same journey and needing coaching, needing individualized help. I definitely recognize that that's a need out there. And so I'm stepping into that very shortly. So if that is something that you're interested in, definitely go join the Facebook group that we have right now. And I will be letting you guys know as soon as that is available. Another thing, celebrate every small win of the child. So whether you're doing potty training, whether it's, you know, they did good on their cursive at school, whether it's they got up and went to school, whether it's they didn't throw a fit or have an emotionally hard morning, you guys look for the smallest, tiniest wins that you can celebrate. And maybe you're doing a lot of celebrating at first, but it's so important because remember, these children have come from really hard traumatic life situations, and I would personally assume there wasn't a lot of positive reinforcement in their home. That was just always my assumption, and the reason I had that assumption is because a lot of these kids with attachment disorders, they eventually get to the point where it doesn't matter if it's good or bad attention, they'll take both. They don't care. So what I really wanted to do and what I would encourage you to do is I would make sure that celebration of small wins constantly is the main focus so that they can begin to rewire their brains to see, wow, that feels really good. And sometimes that means ignoring the negatives that they're doing and intentionally looking for the positive so that you aren't feeding the good and the bad equally. I hope that makes sense. And also just remembering that every child is going to be so different. It's really important that you pay so much attention to this child, to what they're vocalizing, what they're not vocalizing, trying to understand their attachment style as quickly as possible. And yes, that includes getting them into counseling, getting them into therapy. And again, I would recommend getting yourself into counseling because a lot of times people can see things that we don't see. So maybe you're describing some of their behaviors to your counselor or your therapist, and they're helping you come up with maybe suggestions on how you can parent them. And if you're doing that weekly check-in with a counselor or a therapist, then they can help guide you. I personally, that probably would have been one of the biggest things I would have done that I didn't do is have a counselor or a therapist that I was seeing weekly along my entire journey. These are some of my biggest best tips for building the bonds and helping with attachment with your foster children. Hey friend, I hope that you loved today's episode. I pray it blessed you and helped you see that you have a friend in your corner who truly understands what you're walking through. If so, would you share this episode with someone who's been praying for a breakthrough in their own journey? It would also bless me big time and help others to find this podcast if you would leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also submit your questions, topics that you would like covered, and find a community of like-minded mamas in my private Facebook group by searching what to expect while fostering and adopting on Facebook. See you next time.